1: Welcome, you're listening to the Golf Under Par podcast. As the title suggests, on the Gov, we talk about all things relating to golf performance, so you can golf under par. While listening, you'll hear discussion on all facets of golf, physical, mental, and whatever else will make you a better golfer. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough. I'm a golfer myself, as well as a physical therapist and strength coach. Let's take this journey together to golf under par. Thank you for listening. Now let's dive in. Welcome, everybody, to the Golf Under Par podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jim Culliffe here with guest Megan Helwick, who is a doctor of physical therapy and also a strength coach. She's also the owner of Primal Strength Physical Therapy, and she's also an instructor for Rocktip. Rocktip has a lot of different tools. We'll kind of get into some of that today uh, as we discuss. Megan, thank you so much for being here, and welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Jeremy.
1: So I I always start with asking everybody what got you into golf, whether it's playing or just trading golfers.
0: So mine actually started, my father was a professional golfer. So for 47 plus years, he um, was a head pro at a country club in New Jersey and president of New Jersey PGA. Um, So I kind of was Born into it. Um, Had the clubs. Uh, It's funny. I'm a lefty for everything but golf. And I joke with my dad. I was like, so why am I a righty golfer? He's like, well, we didn't have any lefty clubs. So you got righty clubs. Um, So that's where it all started. Um, My grandparents were also members at Ball And that's where I grew up at the driving range with them. Um, So it was nice. A few years in um, practicing as a PT, I actually went back and was actually working in the performance center at Baltimore um, working with the members there. So it kind of came full circle after growing up there. Um, so that's where it all started. And I actually did play competitively until I was about 18. Um, so I was the one girl on the golf team in high school, um, and then was hoping to play in college, and then ended up um, taking scholarship to play field hockey in college instead. So, um, and then now my passion is kind of working with them and trying to get my game. Um, back to where it used to be. Um, just the consistency is not there right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, out of curiosity, I always like to ask uh, athletes that do other sports. How does your field hockey kind of play into your 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 golf game? Has it helped? Not helped.
0: Um, well, for me, it might be different for other people. I was a goalie, so totally different um, with it. I mean, I held a stick. Um, I used it a little bit, not in the typical form, but I always, I was a, I was a forward before becoming goalie. So I think it just, you know, eye hand coordination, um, just a rotational component. Any kind of, I mean, when we think about golf, it's a rotational movement, but most sports too, a lot of them are rotational so a lot of the same concepts apply um you get that carryover
1: right right and that's why i always ask especially you know field hockey hockey or baseball those kinds of things where it's like hey you do something very similar um, mm-hmm. so i was curious on on the perspective from somebody that played the sports i've never played field hockey so i can't <laughs> connect with that
0: <laughs> well field hockey too is um they don't make so, like a uh, lot stick. With field hockey, they don't make a lefty stick. So you're playing righty, and then you have to flip it. So, I mean, I already played golf righty, so it was easier. Um, there are some people that will flip it the other direction and play just lefty. Um, so it's interesting.
1: Interesting. And so this is
0: that. Yeah, so the field hockey stick is flat on one side but rounded on the other. You can't hit it on the rounded side. So you have to f- turn it over okay. to um, play lefty.
1: I don't think I realized. I thought it was flat on both sides, kind of hockey stick, but.
0: Yeah, you can't touch the backside. It's a, that's a penalty. So.
1: Learn something new. See? That's not the sport I'm very familiar with. <laughs> very cool. So, I wanted to get on here, talk to you a little bit about a lot of the, the stuff that you, you teach in, in some of your classes and just you know, the, the things that you kind yeah. <clears> of <throat> practice in your practice there. So, I was curious what can a golfer expect? when they come to you with an injury or just wanting to improve their game from your holistic approach to functional movement?
0: So when someone comes in to see me, I mean, I'm still going to do my full you know, body assessment. Um, biggest thing I'm also going to add into that is a lot of questions about their history. I think that's sometimes a missing link for people if they don't dig deep enough into their history to find out what kind of patterns, um, what did they change? Did they just recently change something in their swing, in their shoes, in their equipment? Um, so I'll still go through the full body, but also I'm going to be going into their mindset, um, thought processes, things, their routines, all that stuff. So we're going to go through kind of get a whole huge baseline. Um, and then depending on if they have an injury, then we're breaking that down even more. If they're trying to maybe make a change in their swing, is their body capable of getting into the position that maybe their coach or the pro they're working with? Um, is it realistic? Can they do that? Is it an actual mechanical issue? Or is it maybe just a brain coordination issue um, and just having to rewire and learn how to get into that position or get the stability um, to create, you know, whatever changes we're trying to change in a swing? Um, so we'll go full body approach. We'll go through like SFMA, go through, you know, top tier screen, um, get them on the table, go through a bunch of muscle testing, see how everything's moving or not moving. Um, and then kind of build from there. I have them go through their swing and then we start, you know, really breaking it down.
1: Yeah. yeah. So for those that, that are, are maybe a little less familiar, the SFMA screening has got a lot of similarities to like the TPI screen. And the TPI just taking it specifically towards golfers, um, but we'll kind of—I think—we'll dive more into that here in just a little bit. But so, I guess, what what kind of things are you are you looking for then as you kind of dive into some of this movement training that you're you're going through?
0: So, I mean, I would say the. Basis of like when I said SFMA, that's actually, I took all the SFMA through TPI, Um, did all that through there. So I'm looking at how they're moving. I'm looking at their active range versus their passive range. Um, So passive or unloaded range. Um, So say I look at a squat and have them on the floor and they're just doing the squat, I'll get them on the table, unload the squat and see can they get in that same exact position or is it even better unloaded? uh, Because that's gonna start to tell me a lot about the person. Is it more of a brain issue, a fear issue, a mechanical issue? And so depending on what we find, then that helps me decide what route I'm going to go down to treat. It also helps me pick what tools I might use. Um, because anytime I use a tool, it's communicating with the person and their brain um, and bringing awareness. And um, I'm also gonna go in and find out about past injuries. If they have a history of chronic injuries, there's probably some disconnect in the brain um, and a lack of awareness of that body part. So we're gonna to have to clean some of that up too. Um, so a lot of times I'll be talking all of this through with my clients so they understand when I give them something silly, like I just want you to rub this part of your arm every so often, they understand why, um, we're actually doing that.
1: Right, right, yeah. I'll, I'll that feedback to the nervous system. I, I've talked about that in multiple times. I almost always tell you like anything I do with my hands or any kind of tool tends to be more, I, honestly, it seems like more nervous system response rather than, you know, we used to always talk about, oh, we're breaking up adhesions or whatever it may be, or, or lengthening this, but I think that's the, the big thing that I find with all these tools is it's just a different way of getting that nervous system to change the perception of that area, really
0: hundred percent. And it's funny, I did not start out in PT. I was in finance working in New York, um, got hurt, was going to PT. And I was like, oh, I kind of like this. I think I want to change careers, but I don't want to do acute care. I don't want to do neuro. Um, yeah. I want to just work with my athletes. And then I'm like, as I'm practicing and stuff, I'm like, it's all neuro. Like, this is all neuro. The brain grants us the ability to do stuff. Um, and I was like, damn it. Um, no. I'm just kidding i actually i love it but it was funny how first coming out of school 11 something years ago it was more mechanical based you know i was full body art master's art oh we're gonna go in all this manual stuff and what thinking we're really doing with our hands and then as it starts to progress i realize my i don't have the strength to break up an adhesion like yeah maybe i can get the tissue to slide and glide better but it's really the brain decreasing tone um or getting the body to respond better. So it's been an interesting evolution of just even my practice over the 11 years of how it's changed and how, you know, I wish I could go back, like certain clients come to mind. I'm like, I wish I treated them how I do now, but it's a growing process. Like what we learn in school, I feel like it's just not to kill someone and to stay safe. And then everything else we do, it's all those continuing ed courses we take over the years.
1: Yeah, do know first, right? Um, and bringing up the neuro thing and how you didn't want to go into that. It's funny, my sister's a, a psychologist. And so I was working with a friend of hers and she happened to be there. We just, you know, getting together and she's like, oh, can you check out their arm or whatever? And so I was going through their arm and I was just like, well, we're going to do this, blah, 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 to kind of change how your brain feels about this area and whatnot. And and then she saw me doing another thing and, and I just breaks with the same thing. It's like, oh, we're going to change perception of this area. And she's like, you're getting into my field, talking about the brain and everything. And it was, <laughs> it was really funny for her to realize. And I was like, yeah, I guess it is more, more neuro uh, than we really think. <laughs> or we hey, used yeah. to think at least. All right. So we've, we've kind of touched on some of the, the toolboxes, but I'd like to dive in a little bit more on, on what are some of the toolboxes that you can use, you know, a brief explanation of of what you might see in a training or a therapy session uh, with you or with another therapist?
0: I mean, one of the foundational things I do with almost everyone is gonna be breathing. So I take a lot of the basis from some of the DNS stuff um, because that's what we first do when we're born and just we all mess it up over time. I say 99.9% of us have a breathing dysfunction. We could all improve with it and I think a lot of times people don't realize they're leaving a lot of power um off their game they are you know how much more can you squat how much more can you you know accelerate or do certain things if you're able to breathe and stabilize properly Um, so something that they probably don't think they're going to do when they come in to see me is we're laying on the floor learning how to breathe again um learning how to maintain core pressure and that's been one of the biggest things with one of my golfers that i've been working with for probably four or five years now uh four because i haven't been out here that long i started seeing him right when i got here He is a, um, playing on the South American tour and going through different swing changes over the years. You know, biggest thing was retraining his breathing pattern in there, getting that core pressure. Can you get that core pressure and still dissociate, um, in there or does everything kind of lock up? And I mean, we even take it a step further of looking at the fill on, you know, the lower quadrant. So if we're going to look at, like if we're going to look at Phil, say one, two, three, four in here, and you're getting into a setup, he was having trouble filling into the right hip. He was also having trouble, his golf coach was telling him, there was too much motion in his right knee. Um, Too much motion in the right knee, also finding there was a lack of stability in the foot. All right, so then we're working the whole chain. His coach was talking about this knee issue, but it wasn't a knee issue it actually was a secondary you know, uh, compensation or whatever you want to call it from lack of stability at the core and then the arch and the foot collapsing too. So two things we worked on, we didn't even touch the knee. We went back and I would actually use one of the rock pods um, just for a visual cue and a tactile cue into that area and put the pod on that lower quadrant. And I tell him in his setup position, okay, I need you to breathe into the cup keep the pressure there. Then we're going through the swing. Um, and then we were also working on, you know, improving the proprioception awareness and stability in the foot. And then all of a sudden now you see the, not, the knee not moving too much in the swing, um, which was nice. So that's one thing that I start with is always breathing. And then we start pulling out the other tools.
1: Very cool. Very cool. So, so using that breathing to kind of see where's the stability level upon up. Uh, Trunk obviously is just a factor of life, so we want to make sure they're breathing properly. But
0: yeah, sounds
1: like that's more of
0: trying to get just the proper functional or foundational breath in. Like, I'll have when my clients come in and we go through the top tier screen, I have them go through and do the movements. I'll ask them, Okay, take a breath in. And when I ask them to take a breath in, I'm watching, Do I see all here? Or is there actually some movement and this stays nice and quiet? Um, Because that's the thing. If they're coming in, they're maybe complaining of back pain. Well, maybe it's all because they're not breathing properly and they're overusing accessory muscles. They have a little rib flare. You see a little pelvic tilt there. They're really good at using their back and they're really bad at engaging that core. And I kind of use breathing and midline core stuff all together. Teaching them how to kind of stack that pelvis over the rib cage and get a proper, you know, address position without you know, an anterior tilt and a rib flare and then the back lighting up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's huge. Cause if you think about, you know, that I guess we'll say just so like a functional stability standpoint, you know, people being able to use the right things at the right time, I guess in this instance where in that golf swing, you know, it's probably not that they didn't have the strength or whatnot. It's just the timing of it all where you're actually getting that ability in that spot and, and when they needed it uh, particularly.
0: Yeah. So so one of the other rock tape instructors um, last week, put up a post um, Adam Wolf put up a post and it said something about muscle inhibition. Um, It's not that the muscle doesn't work. It's just a latency in the recruitment. So when you have a latency in the recruitment, other things are going to kick in to help, but then the patterning's off now in there. So, biggest thing that I'm doing with them when I'm with my clients is trying to clean up that latency, clean up that delay in the activation. So there's cleaner pictures in the brain, so the, the brain knows, okay, I need to fire the glute, I'm going to fire the glute right away instead of, you know, firing all this other stuff and then messing up the pattern. And that's what happens in the golf swing. Sometimes you'll see other parts of the body not moving at the right time. Is it a patterning issue? Is it an activation issue? Is it maybe truly a mechanical issue and they have to compensate? And if it's a true mechanical issue that I can't change, well, then we need to find a safe compensation for it. And that's totally fine. You know, there's some people post-surgery or fusion or different things where we have to find safe compensations and make sure the segments above and below, whatever area we're going to have to compensate around can stabilize and handle that load. So I love it because it's like I get to play detective.
1: Paul's on here. He's been he's been checking out. He says the problem with uh, belly breathing is that I get a poofy belly and it looks bad in the pictures. So thanks, Paul, for uh, chiming in here. Um, why, why don't we dive a little bit more into there? And so you want to see this this upper chest rising so much. So then, what are, what are some things that you might cue somebody that that tends to have this upper upper chest breathing?
0: I mean, the first thing that I always do is go back to the DNS and getting someone in a three, four month baby position. Um, because that's where if you look at a three, four month old breathing, it is all belly. It's 360. I mean, I try, I try not to call it belly breathing. I like to call it 360 breathing because I really think that people forget about breathing into the sides and breathing into the back. Um, so I will actually get them on their back. And if we get up oh, wrong way, this way, getting the knees past. Uh, hips, and I'll just get them supported in this position. And from here, can they keep this quiet and just breathe all down into here, down to the sides, down into their low back. Once they, I can get them to feel it there, then that's kind of like, I'll get them to really groove in that pattern. And then I want them chasing that feeling when we start to transfer into other positions. Once we start to get into say golf, um, their address position. All right. And that's where my one guy I would still like sometimes I have to get my hands on my clients and I might put my hands on here on them. And I'm like, okay, breathe into my fingers. Can they breathe into there and maintain that pressure and then go into the swing? Um, or do they lose some of that pressure in there? And I mean, it should kind of be subconscious, but breathing should be subconscious to change it though. It's we bring it to our consciousness and then from there we have a chance to change it.
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, uh- Dr. Greg Rose, that he talks about, you know, that is changing that pattern. You kind of read book and you get used to pulling that book. You study the other book in the library, but you want to get better at pulling from that new book. I think it was him that he always talks about that. And so that pattern changing is going to take time to kind of get that. I think like you said, you know, we got to regress it to the point where you you can control, it and then kind of progress there.
0: Yeah. So you regress it, get the feel, and then you're chasing that feeling. And a lot of clients would be like, well, how long is this going to take? And I'm like, well, how often are you going to practice it? Right? How often are you going to really do it? Are you going to revert back to your other pattern? Are you going to go back and go back and try to do a one rep max? Of course, your body is going to go back to its old patterns because that's what it's used to. We need time to change and then progressively build that tissue tolerance and that overload um, to be able to handle that new pattern.
1: Yeah, that's definitely, definitely true. So I dns a little breathing um what other things do you kind of oftentimes revert to uh, or commonly use with golfers
0: um i mean biggest thing is the lack of attention to their feet um so i will get all of my golfers barefoot i'm asking about their footwear that they're wearing um i have a lot of them you take it off and you'll see you know, coming through that that right foot a lot more, maybe flatter than the left. In there, I've just patterns that I've seen from some of them. Um, what's going through with their swing? And so, biggest thing I need to see on them is I'm okay with their foot being flat. Can they control it? Can they get in and out of it? Can they maintain a nice tripod? Or is maybe the reason like for him, my one golfer, we were seeing his knee moving. He couldn't control his foot. So, of course, the knee was going into a valgus and collapsing in because he didn't have control of the foot. Um, so my favorite thing to do, and I give almost every client, not just my golfers, um, I need them rolling out the balls of their feet really fast and waking things up. It's kind of like waking the body up from the ground up, bringing that awareness there. So anytime we work on balance, anytime we're working on swing stuff, I'm having them roll out their feet before we do it so they're more grounded and connected.
1: Yeah, okay. just using a tennis ball, a lacrosse ball, or... No, rock,
0: ball, rock, ball. Rock. Yeah, anything in there. I don't want it to be too noxious, um, but I want it to be enough that it's waking it up. Sometimes we'll even use a vibrating ball because the vibration actually adds a little more novel stimulus to the brain, too, so even more awareness in there. Um, I might, depending on if the client needs any kind of connection or if they're a little too wristy and stuff there I might actually have them hold the vibrating ball in their hands and go through some hand stuff while we're working on balance with the feet too so kind of connecting the dots between the two um it all depends on um what I'm seeing when they present to me what their history is um so there's it's it would be easier if you could cookie cutter it right and just give everyone do all these exercises and this is going to change your game um, but it all depends on their journey and what it took for them to get to me too you know they might all present with the same symptoms but they all could have had a different experience and how they presented.
1: Yeah I think a hard thing for a lot of people to, to come to to grasp is you know while there's very basic generic exercises that or you know drill whatever it may be that may be beneficial. For people, and in general, but it's okay. Is this what you need? Is this targeting your issues or, or whatnot? And I think that has a lot of times is why that assessment supportment, like you you earlier and everything that you kind of look through and and at. And so, yeah, uh, probably a majority of the people that come on here that it, it comes up, go find somebody that you can get a good assessment, whether it's from a chiropractor, a physical therapist, to your strength coach, um, somebody that can give you a good assessment, and give you a good. Back on what it is you need
0: yeah i mean the biggest thing is like two people come in and maybe they have hamstring pain or hip pain or something like they go to tee up the ball they go to pick up the ball out of the cup um that is is it a true mobility issue because i'm going to give someone different exercises if it's a true mobility issue if it's a secondary tightness from a stability issue and the body protecting itself it needs totally different exercises um so for me to just give someone an exercise, I feel like I'm doing a disservice. Like I could be, if they're a true stability issue, I could be setting them up to get hurt more. If I tell them just to go stretch because it's tight for a reason, it's trying to protect them. Um, so sometimes people get a little frustrated when I'm like, well, come in for an assessment and I can give you some stuff. Um, like yesterday I went and got my clubs regripped, and I went to tip the guy and he's like, no, I can't take it. I'm like, okay. He's like, I follow you on Instagram. Can you just help me get more ankle range of motion and hip range of motion? Like that will be my tip. And I want to be like, well, that's a lot more work than um, just, I can give you two exercises. I can give you two links to like two things, but I don't know what your true underlying issue is. Like ankle and hip should be mobile, but is it due to maybe some stability issues above or below or anywhere else? Um, Is it maybe your bony formation and the way your body is like you're going to be lacking maybe one or the other. Who knows? So, like you said, it's like you can't just give them a cookie cutter exercise. I mean, I will give them try these. If it doesn't change, then come in. We need to dig deeper.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I came across a research article and it was showing the effectiveness of uh, prescribing exercises without an assessment, and it was like not effective at all. And it was really interesting. I wish I could remember where I, where I saw that, but I'll have to dig for that. But, well, let's go ahead and go into the wrap-up questions here um, to make sure that we're not using up too much of your time here. So what is your golf memory?
0: Hmm. I mean, other than not playing when I was a kid, just being so excited to be at the range back in the day when you actually had to put tokens in at this one country club and like get the balls for my grandma, um, that one. And then also probably it was – what year was it? What year was the PGA championship at Baltusrol? And I think there was a thunderstorm. And so I took cover in like one of the lightning sheds and I turn around and it was actually my grandfather's. Um, it was in his honor or whatever memory. Um, I look over and it was like my grandpa's name was on the board right there. Why we were at the PGA championship. Um, so it was like kind of all my worlds kind of collided right there. Um, And then probably the other playing memory was probably high school county championships. Um, Every, my junior and senior year, it it went down to a playoff with the same girl um, both years. And I ended up winning in a playoff. And then she thanked me because she had one more year left. She's like, thank you, I have one more year (laughs) that you're not going to be around because you're graduating. Um, But those are probably some of my best memories
1: what is your exercise or drill to improve your personal
0: so like i said for me i'm more of a stability issue so for me um getting control of my core and midline being an ex-gymnast i love to be a little more anterior tilted um and it's just done so much damage over the years um so for me i'm doing a lot of breathing crawling um so those are probably my two go-to every day um getting on my back, doing some core breathing work, turning over, crawling with a stacked um, pelvis over my trunk. And that's something that I still have to think about in my um, golf game. So when I address the ball, I actually will do a little tilt under because I know I'm usually a little anterior bias. um, And I actually breathe into my pelvis right before um, I'm about to swing. So those two kind of carry over um, into my game. And if I I was playing with it yesterday on the range. Like if I really take a bigger, lower breath and get a little more pressure, I was hitting it straighter. And that was the only thing I was changing in there. Um, So it was fun to play around with breathing, even just with hitting the ball because I'm not as consistent as I used to be. Um, I can hit it far. I just can't guarantee you where it's going to go right now. Um, But that's just because I haven't been playing as much and I need to get that feel back.
1: Again, breathing important.
0: I know. Uh, I was like, I didn't think about that to all my clients 10 years ago, but it's something like I do with everyone now because um, there's so much bang for your buck. You can change so much stuff. You can get out of pain. So many other issues can all be linked back to breathing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just had a person today and uh, a lot of comfort neck and an and upper body from a car accident. This is my part-time job. And just a little bit of breathing and by the end of the session, she's like, yeah, I'm feeling a ton better and not like started and tense." So just some breathing helped her a lot.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, our body and our brain will think we're safe if we do it properly. If we're over, over breathing, hyperventilating, like our body thinks it's in fight or flight mode and it's just going to go into protective mode. Um, so things just don't move well and we don't feel well and some people don't realize our thoughts and our breathing can change a lot.
1: What is one takeaway you would like the listeners to apply this week?
0: I guess staying on the breathing concept, like how often have you guys ever thought about your breathing? Like if you were to look down and put one hand on your belly, one hand on your chest and you take a breath, what moves first, right? If your chest moves first, uh, you got some work to do. Um, If you had your hands here and there was no lateral movement, you have some work to do. Um, I think most of us all could benefit from taking a second to uh, learn your breathing and reconnect with our breath in there. Um, I actually, it's hard to see on my website. I'm going to change it. But when you first go to my website, um, if you go ahead into and put in your email address on the top there, it actually links you to my foundational breathing video um, on there. So people can kind of check that out and it just kind of goes through what you should look for when you're breathing which we have to do all day, so. All
1: right, right. Uh, that was a question that was asked. What's the best place to learn more about breathing? And we can get that tagged in the the show notes so that people can get to that. Perfect. All right, last one here. Can you give me one or two people that I should get on the list?
0: I mean, someone that comes to mind that I'm actually gonna have dinner with this week is Janet Alexander. Um, She is a trainer here in San Diego and works with a lot of the LPGA girls. And she really dives into ex- I mean, she works with um, Major League Baseball. She works with a ton of athletes. But biggest thing is um, maybe something that you haven't gotten into on the show is how women should look at their training or golfers with their training according to their menstrual cycle. Um, so for all of her LPGA girls, she has two different training cycles. And depending on where they are in their cycle, they tra- change their training. Um, so it's an interesting concept that's going to be different for women than men because of our hormones and because of our cycle. Um, so she speaks, she's on the advisory board for TPI um, and an amazing athlete herself, an endurance athlete, but it's something that, you know, maybe we don't think about, like where are you at in your cycle? That's going to affect how you feel, how you play um, for women. So I will get you all her information.
1: Very interesting. Yeah. No, that's Perfect. Did you have any somebody else or that, you guys think of that? That sounds pretty good.
0: I think that's a good one. If I get another one, I'll have, I'll have to shoot it over to you. But she comes to mind right away. Um, that's that's that people don't think about. And it should be, it should be oh, all yeah. like, I, I ask all of my athletes and I ask all my female clients where they are in their cycle when they come see me. Um, because that could be why they're presenting with certain things too.
1: Well, thanks Megan. Before we actually close up, Tell us a little bit where we can follow your work or support you.
0: So, if you guys are on Instagram, it's primal strength doc. Um, if you're not on Instagram, I am on Facebook and it's Megan Helwig or primal strength physical therapy. And then my website, um, which you can contact me through there, it's primalstrengthpt.com.
1: Again, thank you so much for that's for coming on. That's it for this episode of the Golf Under Par podcast. We'll have Megan's information in the show notes, along with the link to a little bit more breathing, which we talked a lot about today. And appreciate Megan for, for coming on here and for all of you guys that are listening and watching. Remember, keep it simple and be consistent, and that's going to lead to greatness. Hey, guys, if you enjoyed this content, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes so that we can get this in front of more people. Thank you. Do you want to take your fitness to the next level? Join our Golf Fitness Tips Facebook group to learn more about how you can improve your fitness and improve your golf game by upping your potential through mobility, strengthening, and wellness tips. Again, our Facebook group is Golf Fitness
0: Tips. We'll see you there. Have a good one.